This is WexCast, the podcast from the Wexner Center for the Arts at The Ohio State University. I'm Melissa Starker, PR and content manager for the Wex. On October 10th, the Wex welcomes jazz artist Amir El-Safar and his Two Rivers Ensemble to the Lincoln Theater with special guest Hamid Al-Sadi. Hamid's a practitioner of Maqam, the classic vocal tradition of Iraq. For this WexCast, Amir and Wex Director of Performing Arts Lane Chaplinsky have a chat about how Amir connected with Hamid and incorporated his ancient musical style into contemporary jazz composition with truly transcendent results. Let's listen. Can you tell us about how working, uh, how you began working with Hamid Al Sadi? Oh yeah, well he was my teacher. He's like my main. I mean, when I went to Iraq in 2002 and really started studying Maqam in earnest. Um, it was, of course, a very tense time. It was post-9-11 and then just about a year before the invasion, um, the U.S. invasion. And I was really um, looking for a real master and somebody who not only was deep within the tradition but could also share and, and talk about and impart this to me. And it's very it's a challenge because my musical background and culturally, like having grown up in the U.S., and I didn't really speak much Arabic, so I was coming at it from a bit of an outside, uh, yeah, certainly as an outsider, um, but somehow there was something within the music that I really connected with that felt like it was part of me, so um, it's it's an interesting sort of in-between space, and I found, a, you know, that Maqam was not exactly ubiquitous at that time, as it has been like, you know, if you go back 50 years or 100 years when it was really like the music that was being played on every occasion in Iraq. Um, so there were a fair number of masters and some older ones that um, I had some really important lessons with, and a lot of them aren't, aren't with us anymore. Um, but I was a little bit frustrated because it was like the pedagogy wasn't, it was either like go off of written notes, which I really didn't want to do, or just kind of like listen and imitate and sort of do it and neither of those were really working for me and then I met Hamid so so I was in Iraq for most of O2 and then I had to leave for a couple of trips mostly to play with Cecil Taylor in the summer and the fall we had some tours and and then I would some some people in Iraq were like what are you doing here like just go to England there's this great teacher named Hamid Asadi he's like he's the man like he's the only person that knows all this music and 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 teaches really well um, he performs and teaches. Um, and Hamid was meanwhile living at the refugee in London, having uh, performed. He was there for a tour, and then he performed a song that had been banned in Iraq because it had the name of Saddam Hussein's mother. And it wasn't even intentional. He just it was like newspapers wrote about it and called it a protest, and it wasn't intended to be a protest. But that was it. He couldn't go back as long as uh, Saddam was president. So he went. He stayed in England and. Um, I met him there, and he was just tremendously generous, um, incredibly knowledgeable about Maqam. He could sing and describe and talk about it in many different ways, and kind of this was like the teacher that I dreamed of. And he was so precise with me, and he just treated me like I was any other student, but he, but not like, oh, anyone can do this. It was like very, very detailed, and if I didn't, have something precisely, exactly 100% the way it was supposed to be, he would make me repeat and repeat and repeat until I got it right. Um, and that was the kind of education that I was 
that I needed. I mean, if I hadn't met him, I really don't think I could have gotten anything. I don't know where, where I would have ended up with Maqam, but he was my conduit into this world. Um, and also the, the context and the culture around it. And um, So that's how we met. And then eventually I was studying Tantur with somebody else, and he was guiding me with that, and then started asking me to, to play with him in some small gatherings in London. This is back in like 03, 04, 05, um, before he went back to Iraq. You you told a story, I think, about an early collaboration where maybe he was sitting in with, um, maybe it was one of those engagements, but you talked about that you and a group of musicians were playing jazz, and the, the, the idea was to have Hamid sit out, and he was just listening, and then he said, why did you have him sit out? Because everything made sense to him, and you had made the assumption that it wouldn't. Do you remember that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, it was so he, when he came to the U.S. in 2013 and did a tour um, that included St. John the Divine and, and uh, UMS, it was the UMS concert. Um, he so that that tour was just like presenting him with the traditional Iraq. We actually had two other musicians come from Iraq, um, and I was performing with them. And but one of the stops, the UMS concert, was actually in two parts, and the first half was was traditional music, and then the second half was Two Rivers, um, which is my sextet that's going to be accompanying him at the Wexner. And basically, that concert, I just remember he was, because he's very, like, I don't know how to say it. He, not, demanding isn't exactly the right word, but he's, like, I'm, I was taking, you know, his tour manager, but also kind of his personal assistant, and he's, you know, he's taking care of a lot of things, and he came up to me and he had a bunch of things to ask me about, like, where's, you know, where can I change? Where's the dressing room? I need tea and, you know, all this stuff. And then he's like, and why am I not singing with you? You guys, you're doing all the maqam stuff that I know. Because it's like, he really, really loved what we were doing. And I, I was terrified to play this stuff in front of him because I thought it would be like, you know, I taught you all this stuff and now you're, you know, you've, you've ruined it with a jazz, you know, thing. you distorted the tradition or whatever. Because, you, you know, he can be very... Um, strict about tradition. He doesn't like when people gloss over details. And, and But when I wrote that music, I was so conscious of everything I'd learned. I, I didn't want to transgress or oversimplify. So it was like basically maqam melodies straight out of the tradition, but with this either swing or funk or whatever is going on um, in the rhythm. And he loved it, and he just, that was his only complaint, is why am I not singing with you? And, and it was too late at that point. But my mind, it started the idea percolating in my head. And so when this idea of him coming back to the States this year came up, he and I discussed it, and he was very excited for it. So, so we're doing a mix. Like some of the concerts on this tour, they'll be doing traditional stuff. And then I think the Western date will be the first. It will be actually the the debut or premiere of this new collaboration. So, and you know how premieres go. <laughs> it's like it's. I mean, every time is different, of course. But I expect it to be very charged and electric, but also have you know there might be some. Who knows? It might be totally smooth. But I also know how these. You know, it's a it's a new thing. We're gonna have a, a few days to rehearse before coming out. Yeah. Premieres are my premieres are my favorite. Uh, I, I, okay. I don't okay. I don't like uh, I don't like smooth. I think it's uh, you know um, 
when we start making smooth art, uh, it's kind of like making cheese in this country. We take all the flavor out of it. Um, yeah, right. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad you feel, that's the way I feel like, I mean, we, we, like Rivers of Sound, of course it got so much better. Everybody understands it better. Now it's like easy, which, but once it gets easy, it's like, okay, I'm going to write a new piece for you guys because I don't want, I want people to be on, on, on edge in the sense that they're not in their comfort zone and sort of this, there's this risk that you feel like you have to trust each other and like we're all going to, you know, whatever you want, jump off the cliff, whatever analogy you want. But you know that feeling. And like what we did at Lincoln Center Atrium when we first played Rivers of Sound in 2015 and Lauren was, of course, there. And there was just like, I mean, a crazy energy there because it was something that had never been done, never been imaginable before that. And then here we are, we're doing it. So I'm, I'm of the same, I feel the same way. I know some presenters want it to be all polished and clean and, and predictable. And that's, to me, it gets, it gets boring at some point. So I, I've been working on this idea around the season, of, around the idea that abstract art ends up creating the, these spaces inside of itself that uh, mm-hmm. allow space for uh, an audience, a space for an audience to reflect and potentially transcend, be provoked, but but space. Yeah, and and I've thought about when that happens over and over again something resembling ecstasy occurs and mm. you know of course we know in in Macomb there's this idea of tarab yeah can you, can you talk to me about this idea of tarab and but also as somebody who works in jazz when you think of abstraction and what that works towards does does ecstasy what does that mean to you if anything mm. I, I love the question, and that's kind of like right where I'm, what I'm interested in too. And and I think, yeah. So in Sarab, it's this sort of. I mean, I've described it. Of course, these things are like trying to put them into words is is very difficult. But at least certain words might spark off a memory of a feeling that that hopefully all of us have had at some point. But there's this kind of like forgetting of oneself and sort of leaving of one mm-hmm. what you know what, where you're you know like we were talking about earlier where, where you're comfortable or what what's like leaving the known because I mean so often in I mean we're, we're sort of used to routine or things being predictable and we even have live in a society where things are supposed to be a little bit you know we, we get, have insurance we have a mortgage long term you know we sort of plan our 25 years pension fund, okay, I'm going to get my retirement at 65, and, you know, we like to have those things, and it's, I think that's important. It doesn't exist in most parts of the world that I've been to, other than, you know, Western developed nations, um, the sense of security, which is not entirely reliable, as we'd like to think, but it's, at least we have the safety net. And I think in, in the performance, we leave that safety net, and even though we're in a hall, and you know, the certain elements are are um, are controlled, but we're we're also artistically leaving the known and and sort of once we go beyond what kind of our, our human self and we can enter into this like spirit dimension and and you know spirit gets used a lot, but there's there's something truly distinct that happens and in in Tarab it's this sort of melting way of borders. 
and like the audience and the performers are just in a particular state together. And it becomes less about, you know, the individual's technique and sort of focusing on, it's like, you know, there's a, sometimes performances can feel voyeuristic where we're in the black box, we're looking at somebody on stage who's, who's dancing or doing something and that's great. But there's, when it's sort of like, there's no longer that subject object relationship and we're all in, a, in an environment together that's just very connected. Um, and I, I feel it in, thought, in Arabic um, music a lot. It's sort of a natural extension of just, if it doesn't happen in the concert, it's just like, well, what's the point? And that's the, that's the feeling. Um, but also in jazz, when things are, whether it's swing and it's, it could happen through the groove and just it's sort of, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and you sort of envelop yourself in it. Um, and it can also happen in like free improvised music where it's just explosively, you know, like Cecil Taylor, perfect example. He's like in a, living in a constant state of ecstasy and it's just this, you know, expanding beyond, beyond, beyond your flesh, your known world, and just, you know, it's just such a powerful experience. And so kind of those are my poles, my two references, I guess, is like Cecil and then Makam and how they intersect in this, in this ecstatic um, sound world. I hope that makes sense. I'm no, that completely makes sense. You know, and I, I could really, as you were talking, I could really um, remember feeling that way last summer at the jazz festival when I got to be a present for the Rivers of Sound project. Mm. Um, it, I mean, there was something about the size of that ensemble and the quality of musicians, and then I think the styles, the way that they melded, but but I think even more than that, I think just the sort of the shared approach, there was, I don't know, just, I, I can only describe it as a shared sensibility, um, I would, mm. and I would put a lot of that on you as the composer and, and organizer that kind of set up that, that condition and situation, but it really felt like something Special occurred that afternoon, mm. you know. Um, and it's even rare. though we were so, we were so rushed and there were so many circumstances around us, but it's true. Once the music starts, it's like, and that group. I mean, in general, all of my, you know, whenever I put together an ensemble, but Rivers of Sound really exemplifies this. It's like a community or a society. Everybody's really, you know, there's a, there's just a connection between individuals, like a personal, like a friendship respect, trust, you know, whatever you want to call that, but it's just, it's so, it's like everybody's on stage having fun making music together, and it's, I mean, beyond that, there's a particular quality of, of listening and, and kind of a compassion or letting go of the ego that happens in that group, um, that it's, it's sort of hard to orchestrate that or to plan it, especially with a large group, but it happens pretty much every, every time we play, we've reached, we've We've had that. It's just a natural outgrowth of the personalities. My sense is that you've you've searched pretty far and wide for your collaborators over time. Is there any? Have you been able to codify for yourself what you're looking for or uh, sensibilities uh, that are important to you and collaborators? Yeah. Well, I mean, those are all collaborators that have kind of. I mean, I've been fortunate. They've come to me, or we've we've found each other over the years, mm-hmm. and they've. That people, it's like that was kind of picking, 
individuals who I've worked with over years, you know, in some cases decades, who I really resonated with. So, yeah, I mean, there's a certain, of course, it's, it's very individual and each each situation is unique, but it's there's some kind of, and just a, a particular quality of the interaction. There's a an openness of the heart or like a, almost like a, a sweet, like a tangible sweetness that like you feel in the way that people relate to each other, this kind of caring, kindness, having each other's back. Like it, And everybody in that group, it's just, you know, because I knew all of them individually and some of them had played together, but like within the first week of rehearsals and by the time we premiered and recorded, like it was like these bonds had developed, these friend, intense friendships that are like now have their own a life of their own and have started other musical projects, side projects of people who had never met each other. Um, and that there's just a particular, it's a, it's a resonance. I guess that's the best way to put it. It's, it's like, it's human resonance or it's beyond just uh, what can you do on your instrument and how, who have you trained with or what styles did you learn? It's like a, it's a quality of, of being that's just, I don't know, it's, it's special. You recognize it when it's there, and you certainly know when it's not there. And mm-hmm. uh, and it's really there with the, with these people. And of course, Two Rivers is six out of the seventeen musicians are in Two Rivers, and we're going to have all of them. Um, the A team will be there um, at the Wex Camp, which I'm, I'm so happy for. That was the Wex's director of performing arts, Lane Chaplinsky, with jazz artist Amir El Safar. For more information on Amir's upcoming concert and all things Wex-related, go to wexarts.org. Thanks for listening.